The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. PFTPM, Tuesday, September 22nd here on Peacock TV. We've got an interview coming up with Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a Chiefs-Chargers rewatch, and week two awards with Michael David Smith, me, and Shireen Williams. Shireen, good afternoon. How's everything? It's great. I got Peacock on Roku today, Mike, and had Tom in there watching yesterday's show. So Peacock is on Roku for everyone. Yeah, it's on Roku, and I think think there are some other frontiers that are still to be conquered, like Amazon Fire and Samsung TVs, and I think we'll be on all of those before too long. And they need to get us on those devices, not because of us, but because in January, the office moves exclusively to Peacock. So I think by then, not not because of anything that we are bringing to the table, but because of Michael Scott, Dwight Schrute, and company, that's when... Amazon, Samsung, and anyone else will be in the fold because everybody is going to want their office fix, and it no longer happens on Netflix. It only happens on Peacock coming in January. I mentioned what's going to happen today. For now, let's get to the news. And, you know, every day of the week during football season, there's news. Hell, every day of the week when it's not football season, there's news. So there's definitely news during football season. And let's start with Cam Newton, Patriots quarterback, speaking to WEEI in Boston just a couple of days after the team's first loss of the season, but still an impressive showing offensively for Cam Newton and the Patriots. Here he is talking about whether or not they need to go outside the locker room in their search for receivers. Do you feel like you need uh, another receiver? Would you like to see the Patriots do something when it comes to that position? (laughs) Man, I'll say this. The answers are in that locker room. Simple play, you know. We got Lil Bud, Doughboy, Highway Eleven, <laughs> and you know my germs. So we we good to go. And um, so oh, we have let me let me rewind that we have Jameer Bird, mm-hmm. uh, Nikhil Harry, <laughs> Julian Edelman, and Jacoby Myers. Yeah, look, it's hardly a murderer's row of receivers, but the group will get better. They generated plenty of yardage the other night. When the quarterback is playing great, it doesn't matter who the receivers are, and Cam Newton has played great. Now, that doesn't mean that the Patriots aren't always looking to upgrade because Cam Newton did not sign on to become the general manager of the Patriots, so it won't be up to him if they do upgrade, but it's better than the alternative. It's better than Cam Newton after two weeks, Shireen, saying, can they please get me some help at receiver? First of all, Mike, I think the Patriots have more nicknames than we do at Pro Football Talk, and we like to nickname everybody, but that was a pretty impressive group of nicknames that he fired off there. But I would challenge anyone before you watch that to come up with the four top receivers for the Patriots because I don't know that I could have come up with them off the top of my head. Obviously, we all know Julian Edelman and Nick Kill Harry, but beyond that, uh, it's sort of a stretch. But this is kind of in the Patriots' history, right? They tried A-B last year for one game. It didn't work out. But generally, Tom Brady had to work with whatever receivers he had, and he always had one favorite, Julian Edelman being the latest of, of his favorites uh, till he left New England. Uh, until Tom Brady left New England. And and now it's kind of the same thing for Cam Newton. I, I would bet that he had better receivers in Carolina than he has now, but he's making it work, and, and they have done great so far. Could be 2-0 and at this point. It really is an amazing indictment on Bill Belichick's time with the Patriots when you consider how few great receivers he has had and how guys have just kind of fallen into his laps from time to time and ended up being great. But last year, they gave up a second-round pick to get Mohamed Sanu. We've advocated for a trade that would send Odo Beckham Jr. from Cleveland to New England, but that would happen later in the year. But right, for now, it's Julian Edelman who has 236 receiving yards, more than twice 
Nikhil Harry's 111. Then Demir Bird, who looked good on Sunday night against Seattle. He has six catches for 72. The next guy on the receiving yardage list is Rex Burkhead. You don't see another receiver until you get past Burkhead, Ryan Izzo, and James White all the way down to Jacoby Myers with one catch for seven yards. So it is a work in progress. They are doing what they can to make chicken salad out of a depth chart that was one of the reasons some believe for Tom Brady moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Shireen. Yeah, and, and Kel Harry talked earlier just a little bit ago, as a matter of fact, to the, to the media in New England, and they were trying to get him to compare year one to year two. And you know with it, where this is headed. What's the difference between Tom Brady and, and, and Cam Newton? But he wouldn't go there. He basically talked about his growth. You know, he did not have an ultra-successful rookie season. He's been much better this year. But he wouldn't say it was Cam Newton. He just said his growth, maturing, becoming better in the offense, knowing the offense better, and knowing what defenses do better. So I think that's a big part of his growth. And I think we're going to continue to see that throughout the year. I think he's just going to get better and better and better as they go along. Never talk about anybody on the team other than yourself. It is not your job to evaluate the performance of your teammates, whether it's good, whether it's bad. Do your job. Do your expletive deleted job. That is the Patriot way. And Harry's been there long enough to know that's what you should do. Never talk about anyone else on the team. They've got something to talk about in Denver with the injury to quarterback Drew Locke, who will miss some time. I've pointed out that they're down to Jeff Driscoll and Brett Ripp, and they need to add a quarterback. There aren't a lot of veteran quarterbacks available. One guy who became a free agent back in March and had gotten a grand total of zero sniffs since he became a free agent, Blake Bortles, the former number three overall draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, lands in Denver. I guess there was talk last year that maybe he would end up there. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Pat Shermer. I don't know that they're counting on Bortles to play. They just need somebody there in the event that Driscoll gets injured because Driscoll wasn't horrible last week against the Steelers. And Driscoll had moments last year when he was playing for Matthew Stafford during his time in Detroit. Yeah, he went 0-3 last year with Detroit, 1-7 in his career, but he probably hasn't played that poorly. And he certainly looked pretty good after he re- uh, came in to replace Drew Locke last week. He did okay. But, you know, this Broncos team has just had so many injuries. We, You know, we talked about that yesterday, but not having Cortland Sutton is just a huge thing for this offense. And so he's going to have a tough time, but they do need somebody there other than Brett Rippon who can come in, who has experience. And of course, Bortles has that. He went 24 and 49 in his time at Jacksonville, but he does have all those starts, can come in and learn the offense, they think, fairly quickly. And if in an emergency, he can go in and play. So, you know, they have a backup. But th- this is just unfortunate for a team, the 49ers and the Broncos, as many injuries as they've had so far this year. It's just hard to overcome all those injuries to big-name players. If it's one player you can get by, if it's a Cortland Sutton and a Von Miller, now it's a little tougher to do. And then you throw in Drew Locke to that mix, at least for a, a few weeks. It's just tough. Hopefully the Broncos won't need to have Blake Bortles throw the football because as Chris Sims famously says, Blake Bortles was not put on (laughs) earth to throw a football, not exactly a ringing endorsement of Bortles skills. And I'm trying not to go down the rabbit hole, but here's the reality. We're at the point in the season where guys are being pulled off the scrap heap. And there was a sense back in June that Colin Kaepernick would be getting an opportunity at some point, and what a perfect opportunity for Colin Kaepernick. Now, whether or not he fits the offense in in Denver, that's a different issue altogether, but there was a mobile quarterback in Minnesota when Pat Shermer was the coordinator there and Case Keenum, who did pretty well. You adapt your offense to suit talented players. I would say Colin Kaepernick is more talented than Blake Bortles, and I can't imagine many people would stand up and argue to the contrary, but the bottom line is... It's over. It's done. And there's no, I, you know, I, I, on one hand, I surrender. It still pisses me off. But I accept the fact that, that they've managed to run out the clock. When Blake Bortles is getting a job over Colin Kaepernick and there's nothing other than random complaints on Twitter or sports radio or Peacock TV about it, mission accomplished. The NFL has won. They've successfully shunned Colin Kaepernick. He's done. It's over. There'd have to be a lot more guys who get injured before they'd ever get to a point where Colin Kaepernick's phone is going to ring. 
Uh, and even then, Mike, I don't think his phone rings. I, you know, I think the bell has tolled on his NFL career. I just think it's done. If they haven't called now with all the extra quarterbacks they've used because of COVID, they could, somebody could have put him on a practice squad, all of those things that we know play into this year that makes it different. If it didn't happen by now, I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, and as Akeem Hicks said, hey, we even signed Mike Glennon uh, instead of Colin Kaepernick, speaking of all the quarterbacks who've gotten opportunities before Colin Kaepernick ever has gotten another opportunity, which, yes, he's never going to get again. I think the career is over, unfortunately. And I think a lot of people would love to come back and, and see how he fared. And you know what? If if it wasn't good, then we could all say, hey, he was given his chance. He, it, what didn't work out, he wasn't good, but he never got that opportunity, and, and I don't think he's going to get it now. But not even a phone call, not even a workout, not even a chance. That was the thing that was so ridiculous last year about the NFL's effort to craft a workout for Colin Kaepernick. Any team could call him up at any time and work him out. You don't need to have a mass workout of Colin Kaepernick where you say to all the teams out there, come watch him work out. It happens all the time that that teams bring players to town to see what they can do. So it is over. It is done. That doesn't mean we have to like it, but... Blake Bortles employed Colin Kaepernick, not Mike Glennon employed. Josh McCown, a $12,000 a week no-show job with the Eagles where all he has to do is stay in Texas and stay in shape and be ready for a phone call that may never come in the event that they get down to the last guy available and they need to bring McCown into play. Okay, the Giants need running back help with Saquon Barkley on injured reserve after tearing his ACL. Devontae Freeman after an extended trip on the free agency uh, market now finally has a job he'd visited Jacksonville not that long ago after Leonard Fournette was released and it looked like it was over for Devontae Freeman but necessity sometimes creates opportunity and Freeman gets dumped right into the mix and may get a chance to play fairly quickly without Barkley there Shireen it sure might. You know, they got Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis who are going to kind of split the carries as they go forward without Saquon. And Devontae Freeman is not Saquon. We all know that. But neither are the two other running backs they have on their roster. But he will help. I think it's a really good signing for where they are and, and what they need. Now, his last 1,000-yard season, his last Pro Bowl came in 2016. And he turned down an opportunity to go to Seattle before training camp. Carlos Hyde, of course, took that deal that Devontae Freeman turned down, but he could have had that job, didn't take it. So now he goes to the Giants and he's going to get a chance to play. And maybe he plays really well and, and gets on the free agent market next year and gets him a big contract. Who knows? But we'll see what kind of shape he's in if he's ready to play. Interesting to see how defense is game plan against the Giants without Saquon Barkley. Do they drop everybody back, try to take away the pass, and force Devontae Freeman to establish himself? He may have some opportunities to make an impact right away with the New York Giants. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, Notre Dame and Wake Forest due to play this weekend. The game has been postponed because of an outbreak at Notre Dame. Uh, and 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 look, I, I every time this happens, people say, well, the kids aren't sick. That's not the point. When someone has it, you don't let them get around other people because you don't want them to spread it to someone who may get sick, whether it's another player, whether it's a coach, whether it's an official, or whether it ends up being spread 
to anyone that any of the people at the game interact with. And this is going to be one of the impediments to getting all of these college football games in. Unlike the NFL, Shireen, which has managed to keep the COVID-19 pandemic under control with minimal positive tests and and no disruption at all through two weeks. We're also worried about after week one, what's going to happen to week two? What's going to happen with week three? What's going to happen with week four? Well, the train keeps rolling. For college football, the train for some programs is dead on the tracks. This is the 18th game, Mike, that's been postponed or canceled because of COVID. And at least schools are doing the right thing. I was scared they might try to play through it and do the herd immunity thing where all the players get it and then they're done with it. But they're doing the right thing for the safety safety and health of the players. And we are seeing games postponed and canceled. The NFL announced today over the last week they've had no positive uh, cases, which is fantastic uh, for the NFL. And, and Notre Dame tested 94 over the last week and they've had all these positive tests now and you know college kids are not isolated like they are in the nfl and they they like to go out and party we know that they're around other students some of them are actually going to classes and this thing is spreading uh, among the young people but so far the nfl other than a handful of coaches are doing the right thing we know the coaches uh not wearing the mask on the sideline and they've been fine for it There was a report over the weekend that a player was held out of Sunday's game because he developed symptoms. And that's the thing on game day. If you develop symptoms, they are going to pull you out. Even if you have not yet tested positive, they don't want to take that chance. Unlike the normal flu season where they'll let guys play if they're having flu symptoms. The speculation was that it was Colts cornerback Rocky Sin. But if there's been no positives over the course of the last week and there was a test administered Sunday and here we are at Tuesday, assuming that we are capturing that within the window, then that wasn't a positive test after all, but it all depends upon the breadth and the range of the window. But even with that one positive, as long as you keep the player out of the mix and away from everyone else, you eliminate the possibility of an outbreak. And that gets back to this ongoing question of the masks. And, I, you know, I've come around. I don't know if you watched the show this morning, Shereen. Shame on you if you didn't get up early and watch it. But Sims and I were arguing about <laughs> whether or not the NFL should get rid of the mask requirement. And I've now reached the point where I think they should just tell the coaches, you get tested every day. You know, they, they came up with the mask requirement because they were only going to be tested three times a week. You get tested every day. Just get rid of the masks. Uh, it, it's, it's, if it's a, an impediment to calling plays, and if they're not going to do it anyway, why have this fight? The players aren't wearing it, so the coaches shouldn't wear it. So we'll see if that's where... Joining us now on this Tuesday edition of PFTPM, first round pick, rookie out of LSU, national champion, playing for the defending NFL champion, Kansas City Chiefs. He is running back Clyde Edwards. Alaire, welcome to the program, Clyde. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. Not as well as the Kansas City Chiefs, though, off to a 2-0 start. I did notice something, though, and it's going to be relevant to why you're joining us today. You're with us on behalf of Tide, which is participating in the NFL's jersey exchange program, cleaning the jerseys first. It's always important, though, that the names be spelled properly on the back of the jerseys. What the heck happened this weekend? Oh, man, uh, I really don't know. Uh, you know, it was it was something, I guess, uh, you know, it, it happened beforehand. I didn't even see it. I didn't even see it before I went out on the field and, and didn't realize it until after the game. So uh, ultimately played the game. I mean, it is what it is. Keep it moving. It'll, it'll be corrected next week. How many text messages did you have saying, hey, I think there may be something wrong on the back of your jersey? Surprisingly, only one. I only had Who one text. Uh, it was actually from my agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you do with that jersey? Is that one that gets exchanged or is that one that uh, is a collector's item? Um, so as far as right now, I, I have no idea where their jersey is. Um, you know, I, I actually signed it. To to Austin Eckler for the uh, for the for the jersey swap with Ty. So ultimately, right now, um, the jersey should be on his way to uh, you know to to the Chargers to Austin. So right now, I have no idea where where it is. If is if it is still at the facility, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to grab it and, and put it up put it up in the closet. Yeah, otherwise Austin's going to get the ultra rare Clyde Edwards Alaire collector item. Uh, signed to Austin Eckler. You're going to have to put a new number on there, too, assuming that you signed it on one of the white numbers. Tell us more about the program that Tide has going on to allow players to exchange jerseys this year. So, uh, you know, ultimately, a lot of NFL players uh, like myself, we're excited when we found out that that we could swap jerseys this year. 
And, and that was something I, that I looked forward to, um, you know, all the way up into coming into the to, coming into the NFL. So ultimately, I'm thrilled that that Tide Hygienic Clean is here to to, to make sure this game day tradition uh, stays alive. And, and ultimately, I couldn't be I couldn't be more excited to to be a part of this program. Two games into your NFL career, Clyde, how are you feeling physically? Physically, I feel amazing. Um, you know, ready to ready to start this start this work week out. Um, looking looking ahead to, to week three, uh, which should be a, a great Monday night showdown. And and ultimately, my body my body feels great. Have you had your welcome to the NFL moment? Uh, moment, I would say, I would say, yeah. Uh, the the moment walking out walking out that tunnel the first time um, and, and telling myself to take it all in because. This is the first time that, that you will be uh, the first and the last time that it'll be my first game in, in Chiefs Kingdom. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to clear my mind and, and walk out on that field and, and make sure I took it all in. So ultimately, that's the that was my that was my welcome to the NFL moment. That's the good kind of welcome to the NFL moment. There's another kind, though. Have you had that one yet where someone's standing over you or you're getting chewed out in the film room or on the practice field and you realize this isn't LSU anymore? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I found, uh, found that out early. This was probably week two of fall camp. Um, I was running, running a route, and then uh, Frank Clark, uh, he, he, was, he was peeling back. I guess, I guess he, he, he dropped from his DN. DN position and, and I had a flat route, turned it up the sideline, didn't realize it was Franken and tried to lower my shoulder into him. So ultimately got my first welcome to NFL hit, NFL moment at that time. So ultimately I wouldn't uh I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have rather to be anybody other than other than Frank, honestly. You know, here's the thing, you guys have such a great defense. That has to make it easier for you to prepare to face other defenses because you're facing a great defense in practice all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, we have we have some guys, we have some guys on that defense who uh, who who come and compete every day, and they make it like game day every day. So ultimately, it 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 only slowed uh, slowed game time down for me. Um, and, and you know, it, that's all that's all respect to to our starting defense. Other than Patrick Mahomes, because I assume that would be the answer, or, or maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm assuming incorrectly. Who's the most impressive teammate? Uh, most impre- impressive teammate, I'd say, is, is probably Travis Kelsey. He, uh, he's, he's, he's a, he's a workaholic. He's everything, everything about Travis is, is professional. He, uh, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a professional, and and that's just what it is. So ultimately, for for a guy coming coming in. Um, young guy just seeing seeing guys like Trav who who's been in the league uh so long and, and and the way that he carries himself uh day in and day out is something that uh that I respect about him and, and something I respect about the organization. What was the biggest difference you noticed between the first game of the season and your second game, Clyde? Um ultimately the the, the biggest difference for, for me was was fans. And and you know that's that's just the time of the, the time of age that we live in now. Uh, you know we got there and it was just a, a completely empty stadium and and that's that's just something that that um, every guy on that field is is not used to. Um, first game of the season, you know we uh we had fans at the at the at the at the stadium, so it still felt like a it still felt like a real a real game. So uh, that was the that was the biggest change, um, the biggest momentum swing. So ultimately, just just finding finding your own energy and, and, and having pretty much having that team bond of, of understanding that we're out here to do, to do our job and, and we have to be excited and, and willing to do it. And Clyde, I've talked to different players about this over the first couple of weeks. Who is it within the chiefs that helps press the buttons and get the guys going in a situation like that, where you don't have the external energy and it needs to come from within? No, um, it, it, it starts with Pat. Uh, Pat is Pat is our Pat is our spark plug. He 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 gets it all sparked off, and 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 guys feed off of guys feed off of that, and and from that point on, we we try to we we try to stay all uplifted. Uh, I felt like a couple of times we we got down, and and Pat is Pat is always that guy to to spark us, and ultimately he was the guy to spark us on the field, um, also, and that's what you want from from your leader, and and that's what he is. What's it like playing with Patrick Mahomes? It's different. Uh, he's a he's a he's a special quarterback, and um, 
in in my in my time, I've I've been able to to line up next to uh, I guess some good ones uh, with with Joe, but Patrick is Patrick is special and and he shows it every day. Uh, he comes to work and he shows it every day, he, even if you know it's it's the simple things. It's the simple things. It may be picking up some trash in the in the hallway, but ultimately, uh, Pat is Pat is that 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 dude. He's that guy that 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 leads. What do you mean when you say picking up trash in the hallway? Like he sees a rapper on the ground, he goes and scoops it up just because that's who he is. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. That's that's who he is, and you know that's that's who he prides himself on. And, and ultimately, I feel like I'm the same way. So so being around guys who who want the same thing, that just want things around to be better, uh, it only it only makes work uh, more fun, and it, it makes our job more fun. How much have they been flashing around those rings to try to inspire the guys on the team that don't have one to go get one of their own? It's 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 kind of it's it's something that's pretty much understood. Um, you know, we see it a lot on social media, but just the vibe, just the vibe of, of the the entire organization, um, the, the the hunger of everybody, offense, defense, special teams. Um, we all have one common goal, and and ultimately, it's is to run it back. He's a very good passer. That's a given. But on Sunday, he did some great things with his legs. Uh, is he almost as good of a runner as he is a passer? Ah, that's um, you know, I'll, I'll have to look at look at more of his game. But ultimately, Pat is Pat is a, a weapon with, with his feet. Um, you know, I was I was cracking jokes with him, talk, telling him how how fast he is and 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 the things that I mean he. He can take off running at practice, and you're really not expecting it, just because his his arm talent always he always finds a way to do something with it, with his arm, and you're just not expecting a dude to to do the the same things with his legs. So he displayed that, and that's that's with I mean that's Pat being Pat. He he has that skill set, and he's he's able to use it at, at any time. He's also got a pretty good hard count. Top of the fourth quarter, first play. I saw he got you. He, they, they flagged the Chargers, but I saw you moved a little bit, right? And, and the, the official didn't see it, so it's not a foul if they don't see it. But uh, he's pretty good with the hard count. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. Very, uh, very distinct voice, uh, and the, and the way that he can he can fluctuate his voice, and then with that stadium being so empty, I mean, you just hear every little thing that he's able to do uh, when he's on his hard count. So. Uh, you know that's that's something that's something that he has that 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 I'm not you know uh, all the way adjusted to yet with, with it being an empty stadium. You mentioned Joe Burrow. You're both rookies. Do you have any type of a bet with him as to whether one of you two is the NFL's offensive rookie of the year? <laughs> no, no bets, no bets yet. Uh, only only motivational texts uh, and only only checkups so far. That's that's pretty much it. What's been your impression of his play so far? Because, you know, a lot of times you've got a game when he's got a game. You've been able to watch both of his. He's been able to watch both of yours. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I've been very impressed. And, and the, the thing is, is, you know, Joe, Joe is, is big on feedback. And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a quarterback or a quarterback expert. But, you know, I, as, as far as the little things, I mean, just, just motivation. That's the only things that, that, that I can – text him or, or you know just just keep him encouraged and, and ultimately i mean i think he looks i think he looks great um completing passes uh, handling two minutes handling you know uh fourth quarter drives the the things that he's doing and and the way he shows composure is something that that i've that, that he's always had but uh you know ultimately we just we just keep being friends and, and just keep having cordial conversations you know, there's another rookie that we're paying attention to, Justin Herbert, the Chargers quarterback. I know it's not your side of the ball to have to worry about the other team's quarterback, but give me a feel for kind of the buzz uh, among the Chiefs when the word was starting to get around that it was going to be number 10 instead of Tyrod Taylor playing quarterback on Sunday. Um, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I didn't I didn't even know. I didn't even know. I was I was on uh, waiting on kickoff and. Then you know they they were they elected to receive the ball, and before I knew it, you know I saw I saw Justin running out there, and I was like, man, this is, I mean, I, I knew I knew he was I knew he was there, but I didn't even know he was he was starting until until I saw him on the field, um, and he, he pl played a great game. So ultimately, uh, you know, just super super happy for him him being able to to display his talent.
Yeah, what were you hearing from the defensive players about trying to shut him down? Because he did look incredible, and he's a giant. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he is a giant. Um, I'm not even I'm not even on that on that end of the field to even hear the discussion. So uh, ultimately, when they're on the field, I'm I'm making corrections and, and doing some things or, or talking to the O line or, or pat on some adjustments that that we need to make on the field for for our next go around. What are you working on, Clyde? What's your next level? The next thing you want to get better at as you get ready for Game Three? Um, next thing, next thing is is ultimately just just finishing, finishing everything, finishing fakes, finishing runs, finishing anything that I can possibly finish and and, and just show uh, show effort. Um, and that's that's what we that's what we want to dis- display as a team. Uh, that's what that's what we do downfield. Uh, pretty much just just fight for your brother. Anything that I can do to to help my team succeed, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that and give it give it my my best shot. Who from the Ravens defense are you going to be on the lookout for? <laughs> Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen, easily. That's my uh, that's my my ex teammate, but you know he's he's on that he's on that second level. So that's something. I mean, I'm I'm going to see him a lot in the game. He plays linebacker. I play running back. So ultimately, he he'll be in my he'll be in my eyesight. Do you think you picked up more about him at LSU, or he picked up more about you at LSU? I would say, I would say I picked up more about him, uh, just because of the time that that I was able to get in and and, and play against him as far as scout team or, or first team reps and and going against each other. Just how, just how everything worked out. Uh, I feel like I learned more about him, but but ultimately we we made each other better. We were always going against each other one on ones. Um, anything that we anything that we can do to get better, I was always going against. PQ. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what all he learned and we'll see what all I learned. Now, is that the Jersey swap for this week or does it, does it depend on how the game goes? <laughs> Ultimately, I think that's the Jersey swap for this week. He, uh, he texted me, he actually texted me early this morning. Uh, and his, and his first two words were, were Jersey swap question mark. So, <laughs> so he, he already, he already knew what it was. Well, here's hoping that they spell your name right on the jersey for Monday Night Football. Can't wait to see Chiefs, Ravens. Clyde, congratulations on the great start of the career. All the best going forward. We hope to talk to you again real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, there he is, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kansas City Chiefs 2-0. He had exactly 100 fewer yards, Shireen, in his second game but uh, still off to a great start for Kansas City and one of the candidates for Offensive Rookie of the Year and, more importantly, a candidate to win a Super Bowl as a rookie because he landed on the right team. However, the Chiefs had their hands full in Week 2, the Chiefs-Chargers game, the subject of our rewatch, simple uh, prospect. We rewatched the game during the game days on Sunday, especially the late afternoon games. I really don't have time to see what's going on. I go to the Game Pass feature. I watch the condensed version. This one was a little bit longer because it went to overtime. So we took a look at it. We got a few categories. Shereen, based upon the Chiefs-Chargers matchup from Week 2, best player on the field, who's your choice? Well, you know, it's always so easy to say Patrick Mahomes, right? They were down by double digits, but we always see Patrick Mahomes bring the Chief back. I mean, it's expected. So that was an easy answer. So I went with Harrison Butker because I just thought he was outstanding. Uh, and you just knew when he was kicking the game-winning field goal, no matter how many times he had to kick it, and he had to kick it three times, once because of a false start that backed it up from 53 to 58, and then once because of a timeout, and then finally he kicked the game-winner. But earlier in the game, he also had kicked a 58-yarder. And at that point, the Chiefs were down 17-6 to when he kicked that one in the third quarter and tied the, the team record of Nick Lowry. But if they had missed that field goal at that point where they were on the field down 17-6, I think the game was probably over at that point. So that, game, that kick was as big as the one in overtime. And then the 30-yarder, and I know, hey, it's only a 30-yarder. Randy Bullock missed a 31-yarder. This isn't Randy Bullock. But he still had to make it on the last play of regulation to send that game into overtime. So those three kicks were just huge. And I am positive he's going to be AFC Special Teams Player of the Week because he was outstanding. We probably don't give him enough credit. We talk about Justin Tucker and some of the other guys, but he's one of the best kickers in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's usually just making extra points for the Kansas City Chiefs. And coincidentally, he had an extra point blocked by Jerry Tillery, his only miss of the day. 
that was one that was good. There was a penalty. It got pushed back and it was blocked and that made it seven to six early in the game. But to go 53 yards, nail it, have to do it again from 58, nail it, got iced beforehand and nailed it. And all three kicks were right down the middle. There was nothing even close about it. It wasn't one of those where it looks like it's going this way and then it comes back that way. And uh, that was impressive. I think even if he had been iced by his own coach, Jason Garrett style, he would have ended up making (laughs) that 58-yarder to win the game. My best player on the field was Justin Herbert, the Chargers quarterback, who got the nod. Moments before the start of the game, Tyrod Taylor gets a pain-killing injection. It causes a reaction. He has chest pains. He ends up at the hospital. And all of a sudden, Justin Herbert, hey, grab your helmet, kid. You're in. This kid is phenomenal. And I am stunned by Anthony Lynn's reluctance to just make him the guy because it's obvious he's the guy. It's obvious he's got it. He looks like... Philip Rivers in one of those video games where if you throw so many passes in a row complete you you you, you like you you hit a button and the guy grows he's like this this freakishly supersized Philip Rivers he put Damian William uh, Wilson excuse me on his ass he can run with speed and and also grit and determination he didn't take a lot of big hits like Joe Burrow did and he throws the ball incredibly well and he had one play where he, they, they they set up an option, and he, he faked the pitch. He froze Frank Clark and ran right by him and, and had a nice gain. This is a guy who can do it all. He had some incredible throws. He had a great touchdown throw to a spot where you, you, you had a very small margin for error and, uh, and did everything that he could to help the Chargers win the game. So I think Justin Herbert should be the starting quarterback. That's why you drafted him. All due respect to Tyrod Taylor. And there's already talk that Herbert's going to start this week because Taylor isn't healthy. See, what Anthony Lynn can do to ease his way out of this mess is to say Tyrod Taylor will start when he's 100%, and he just will never be 100% again. And by the time he is 100%, we will have forgotten about it. Yeah, no doubt. And Mike, I think that's probably the best way to make your first debut, right? Your your debut is to go in there cold. You don't know. You haven't. You slept real well because you thought you were going to be sitting on the bench. The other team didn't prepare for you. It was absolutely the perfect way to start. Now they're going to have film on him this week, and he's going to know he's a starting quarterback, and things are going to be a little different. But he looked fantastic in his debut. I don't know that there have been many rookies to come in and play a first game quite like that. It was outstanding, and frankly, they had a really good chance to win the game, if not for Anthony Lynn's decision on fourth and one to punt the ball away, and you knew Patrick Mahomes was going to lead the Chiefs down and win the game. And, and you know, you got the Panthers up this week. That's a game that, that the Chargers should win, especially with Christian McCaffrey out. And then it's back-to-back games on the road at Tampa Bay and at New Orleans. And what a great juxtaposition that is. The old men on one hand, and this fresh-faced giant who can do it all and may represent just another example of this quarterback position where a cluster of great guys are emerging early in their careers. All right, game they'd like to forget, Shireen. Well, it was a Chiefs offensive line. I mean, they only allowed one sack, but Patrick Mahomes was beat up in that game. I mean, Joey Bosa was on him every single play. He got knocked down seven times or seven quarterback hits in that game. They just have to do a better job. And we know Patrick Mahomes is the greatest in NFL history, even in his short career, of just going backward, 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 and then making the pass. But if he keeps getting hit like that, he's not going to last all season. He took some vicious hits, uh, and, and including the sack by Joey Bosa. But he's, they've got to do a better job protecting him. And I know their offensive line has changed a lot, but they've got to find something in that offensive line to better protect him. There was a play late in the game that impressed me, and it wasn't a block from an offensive lineman. Byron Pringle, a receiver, went back, and he actually got Joey Bosa with his side because you can't go shoulder helmet or you know forcible blow because it was a blindside block. He was going back to his line, to back to his end zone, and he used like the back of his shoulder pad, and he put Bosa on his ass which was just amazing. Now, I think he just caught him off balance, but it still was an amazing play. It was the best block of the day, and it wasn't a block by an offensive lineman, so that underscores your point. For me, it's Anthony Lynn. You mentioned the fourth and one play. How how do you not go for it? Fourth and one from your own 34, when Justin Herbert is getting it done, 
and when you're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. And on that drive that resulted in the 58-yard game-winning field goal, the Chiefs had a fourth and one, and what did they do? They went for it, and they got it, and they kept possession of the ball, and they won the game. So Anthony Lynn, you know, I, I love him as a coach, but, man, you got to be a little more aggressive than that, especially when, the, you know, we talked about analytics yesterday. When the other quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, you don't give him the ball in overtime. There's your analytics lesson for this Tuesday. And that was the Patriots' philosophy in the AFC Championship game in overtime. We're not going to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and let him beat us. And they didn't face any fourth downs in that drive, but they did face some third downs, and they were just they made them. And and but I'm convinced if they had had a fourth down, they would have gone for it because they didn't want to put the ball back in Patrick Mahomes' hand. You have to take all of that into account. The fact that Patrick Mahomes, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, uh, is opposite you, and he's going to win the game. One more thing about Herbert before we take a break, and this is what convinces me he's going to be special. There was a run late in the second quarter, Austin Eckler moving toward the goal line, and the play was extended, and Herbert ran over toward Eckler because you never know what's going to happen. Ball could come out. He could decide to flip it. Maybe there's someone to block. I rarely see a quarterback sprint downfield to see what he can do to help out, usually because the quarterback knows it's a free shot at him if he does it, but good luck taking a free shot at Justin Herbert because we saw what happened to Damian Wilson. You may be the one who ends up blown up, not the quarterback. There's your full weekday lineup on NBC Sports uh, channel on Peacock, starting with PFT Live at 7 a.m. Eastern. Dan Patrick Show, Rich Eisen, brother from another, and ending the day with PFT PM. And we end every Tuesday during the season on PFT PM with our awards for the week that was. Michael David Smith joins Shereen Williams and I now, and let's get right to it. Without further ado, because we don't have a lot of time, we're going to begin with the Offensive Player of the Week for Week 2. MVS, as always, you're up first. Well, I'm going to pick Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, who we have known for a long time this guy has a strong arm. I think we have had our questions about whether he could do everything that he needs to do with that strong arm, but acquiring Stephen Diggs was the perfect move, I think, for the Bills. I think that was a great trade. He now has a supporting cast that can make the most of his talent. And, you know, the Patriots look good too, but right now, I think the Bills are the favorites in the AFC East, and Allen is the biggest reason for that. Shireen, who do you have for the Week 2 Offensive Player of the Week? There were so many great choices, and Josh Allen was on my list too, but I got to go with Dak Prescott, the first player in NFL history to pass for over 400 yards. He had 450 yards and run for three touchdowns. He was outstanding, especially late in that game, 16 points in the final five minutes. The Cowboys have a history, of course, of comebacks, the original Hail Mary being one of those plays, Mike. Uh, And this ranks right there, uh, the way they were down and the way they came back. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much for that, Shereen. I needed that today. I really did. You know, and thank God they don't have the B-roll queued up, so I have to see Drew Pearson push off Nate Wright and make that catch. Josh Allen undoubtedly will be the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. In the NFC, somebody asked me this yesterday, who do you think it's going to be? Well, it's going to be Dak Prescott or it's going to be Russell Wilson. It can't be both. I don't recall co-players of the week in a given conference, but my player of the week offensively is Russell Wilson. Uh, Incredible performance by him. Incredible performance so far this season. He has been unstoppable. Passer rating through the roof. He's got nine touchdown passes and 11 incompletions. 610 passing yards. One interception. It was that pick six against the Patriots. But he was phenomenal. I think with any other quarterback in the league on the field on Sunday night, the Seahawks very well may have lost the game. The throws he made, the hits he took making the throws, beautiful throws. We're now appreciating Russell Wilson in his full quarterbacking ability. And if that lasts all year long, he'll finally get his first MVP vote and he'll probably get 50 MVP votes by the time it's all said and done. 50 out of 50. All right, Defensive Player of the Week time. MBS, you're up. Well, I'm going to go with a name we don't talk about that often, and that's Tyson Alualu of the Steelers. You know, this is a guy, he's in the 11th year of his career. He's 33 years old. He's had some good years, never really had a great year. But I think he looks poised to have a great year this year. He had a sack. He had five tackles. He had two pressures. He knocked down a pass. He was just all over the place. 
in that Steelers win on Sunday. He is playing outstanding football, and I, I think it's kind of good to see a player who we've kind of always known in the back of our minds. Yeah, he, he's in that defensive line rotation. I think he's having an outstanding year through his first two games. It's kind of fun to see a player who hasn't gotten a lot of credit get some credit now. Yeah, Lua Lua, first-round pick of the Jaguars back in 2010. And, and, and the Steelers, I think, every week are going to have one or two guys that pop up as great players. And then another week, it's going to be another couple of guys. First week, it was Cameron Hayward and Bud Dupree. This week, Tyson Alualu and my pick coming up in a couple minutes. But before that, Shireen, who's your defensive player of the week? Well, Mike, it's LJ Collier of the Seahawks. And if you look at his stat line, it's not impressive. He played 41 snaps. He made one tackle and he batted down one pass. That's it. That's all he had. But if you watch the game, he had the play of the game. He blew up Cam Newton's run. And credit to Bobby Wagner. He said Bobby Wagner knew that play was coming, knew where it was going. And he actually lined up LJ Collier to say, okay, the play's coming here. I need you to slant this way to the right side of the defense. I need you to slant this way because that's where Cam Newton's going to run this ball. And LJ Collier, who didn't make many plays as a rookie, mainly because of injuries, but a first-round draft pick, they need to make, they need him to make more plays like that uh, since they've had so many injuries in that defense. Yeah, one of their guys uh, is lost for the year with a torn ACL because K.J. Wright, while trying to throw a late hit, ended up taking out his teammate and blowing out his ACL. So uh, not good for the Seahawks, but very good that L.J. Collier did what he did. For me, I'm going to go back to the Steelers and T.J. Watt with two and a half sacks. And again, last week, Bud Dupree was the the star on the defense with with Cameron Hayward having something to say about it this week. Alou Alou and T.J. Watt, that Steelers defense really helping keep the Steelers in position to win their first couple of games at a time when the offense remains sort of a work in progress. And, and, you know, they let the Broncos into that game the other day. That's one I still need to go back and watch and figure out exactly what happened because it felt like the Steelers were going to suffocate them and ultimately did get the win and ultimately the defense did step up. All right, Rookie of the Week, MDS, who do you have? I'm going to go with Justin Herbert after that big game he had. It was unfortunately in a losing effort against the Chiefs. But... It's kind of crazy that Justin Herbert found out he was starting a minute before kickoff and then proceeded to drive the Chargers down the field touchdown on his very first drive. Uh, he wasn't perfect on Sunday. He made a, a pretty bad decision on his one interception, but I thought he exceeded expectations for a rookie quarterback. He looked more NFL ready than I thought he was going to, and I think he ought to be their starter going forward. I thought he played very well and uh, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for doing it under those circumstances of only finding out he was starting a few minutes before he took the field and my choice mike is cd lamb he was outstanding for the cowboys it's what they expected he had five catches for 59 yards in the opener and came back with a hundred yard game was huge in that comeback and i think that's the first of big things to come especially with having that trio of Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and now C.D. Lamb getting into the act. Yeah, C.D. Lamb is looking like everything the Cowboys expected him to be. I'm going with Joe Burrow. 61 passes last week, Thursday night, even though the Bengals ultimately lost. It was the most attempts ever for a Bengals player in a non-overtime game, and with 37 completions, the all-time rookie record for Joe Burrow, not just for the Bengals, but for any quarterback in the National Football League. Coach of the Week time, MDS, who do you have? I have John Gruden, who I have to admit, heading into this year, I was feeling a little skeptical. I thought year three needed to be the year we saw the Raiders take a big step with John Gruden. And I wasn't really sure we were going to see him take that step. But hey, they're looking really good. I thought that was an excellent performance on Monday night. They're 2-0. They look like they are building something in Las Vegas. And I think... Raiders fans ought to be excited about this team that John Gruden is putting together. Shereen? My choice, Mike, is Kyle Shanahan. And I know it's just the Jets. I understand that. But when you start off a game and you don't have Richard Sherman and you don't have George Kittle and you don't have D Ford and you don't have Debo Samuel and then the game comes and all of a sudden you're without your starting quarterback, you're without your starting running back, Nick Bosa goes out and two plays later – 
uh, you lose Solomon Thomas. So it was just one thing after a number, another for that team. And to come back and rally and, and win that game again, I know just the Jets, but an outstanding coaching performance. And it just shows you the depth, I think, of the 49ers. Now, I think it's going to be tough going forward playing better opponents. They don't get that this week with the Giants. But I do think it's going to be tough to overcome some of those injuries that they have. And I think without Bosa, it makes it very difficult for them to get to the Super Bowl, but they can still get to the playoffs. I, I still think there's a chance, a good chance, all four teams from the NFC West end up making the playoffs because they play all four teams of the NFC East and all four teams of the AFC East, and they can fatten up their records, and we can see all three wild cards go to teams of the NFC West, including the 49ers. All right, mine is John Fossil, the special teams coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. For the watermelon kick, they call it the watermelon kick because the ball just sits there on the ground. No tee, no nothing. Perfect kick by Greg Zerline. The ball spun. The Falcons didn't know what to do with it. Dan Quinn said they know the rules. The owner said otherwise, and our eyes tell us that those guys who were standing there watching it gradually inch toward the 10-yard line of demarcation did not know what to do. We're frozen. We're afraid to jump on it because it may squirt away. But that was brilliance, and that's what saved Mike McCarthy from possibly being run out of town after only two weeks on the job in Dallas. One last point before we go. We mentioned John Gruden. Along with Kyle Shanahan and others, and also Sean Payton from last night, a fine for Gruden for not wearing the mask, $100,000 for him, $250,000 for the team, just like Shanahan, Fangio, and Carroll from Sunday. It remains to be seen if they don't get rid of this rule, and I have no reason to think they will, whether or not those numbers are going to escalate. I, I've got a feeling, though, uh, let me go around the room real quick on this. Will we see full compliance this week after these six-figure fines, or will there still be guys who don't do it? MDS, what do you think? I think we will see full compliance. I think that coaches are going to get the message. But I did think it was interesting. We saw other coaches also not wearing masks who didn't get fined. So we were far from full compliance this week. Shereen? I think the fine's big enough. I think the fine's big enough, Mike, that, that they are going to comply this week. But if, I, if the fines keep going up, yeah, they're really going to be scared into doing this. But I'm with you. I think the rule should go away. And when you're taking 250 grand out of the pockets of ownership, that's when you're going to get the phone call saying, wear the mask with an expletive or two in there uh, before they're done. And we're done. We'll see you Wednesday with another edition of PFTPM. Have a great day. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... My charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.